Well, good morning. I, uh, well, first of all, thank you for letting me speak and, and be here. I know this is our home church, and so it's kind of neat being able to stand up here and preparing this message for today, uh, just thinking about all of your faces and stuff. It's, it's kind of crazy, but so thank you to the staff and to you guys for letting me talk. I, uh, I, I, I like interaction. <laughs> So, and I'm kind of nervous, so I need you guys to help me out a little bit. I like when people smile, so can we all practice smiling real quick? <laughs> and, and I actually like when people, like, you know, nod their heads, and sleeping's not allowed. So, if someone next to you is a person that dozes off, I give you permission to give them a punch, a light punch in the side. So, I need you guys to help me out there. If my jokes are stupid, just laugh. That would be really great. Thank you. <laughs> so I'd appreciate that. But I'm, I'm really pumped to be here. I think that it's an awesome time uh, to be a part of this church with all the cool things that are changing with Sarah now coming on staff and Nicole's back. And I'm sure you guys have been trying. How many of you have seen the new billboards around? Have, have, raise your hand if you've seen. Yeah, aren't they awesome? The billboards across, uh, there's some on Peach Street and all over the place, but it's exciting, and we've been in the series talking about vision and going through the Nehemiah chapter, and um, so it's, it's, it's really great, and we're pumped about it. But real quick, let me, let me pray. It's not for you. I'm praying for me right now, if that's all right, so if you guys could bow your heads. God, I'm just so thankful to be here. I'm asking that you prepare our hearts today for your message, and that um, everything that I'm about to share is, is what you want them to hear and has nothing to do with me. So just remove me out of the picture, God, and have your way. We love you. Amen. All right, so it's exciting. We've been in this series and uh, talking about vision, and it's, it's kind of nice being here and, and being a part of all that. I'm sure you guys can agree that it's, it's, anticipa- it's a lot of anticipation, and it's exciting. Um, and we have the Olympics happening right now. Are any of you watching, watching the Olympics? I think Michael Phelps, Adam, I think he texted me last night and said Michael Phelps just won another gold medal. And was it his last one, I think? Yeah, crazy. But he's got like 50, so he really doesn't need any more. And he should probably start sharing too, I think. I think so. But it's like a nice breath of fresh air in the midst of all the politics stuff, right? <laughs> all the political madness. And it's crazy. It's actually funny. As we're going through the Nehemiah series, um, and I like to have fun. So if I ramble, and, and you guys are laughing at my jokes, so thank you. I appreciate that. But um, as we're going through the series and we keep talking about building the wall, I can't help but think about when Trump talks about building the wall. It's going to be a good wall. It's going to be a great wall. It's going to be huge, and Mexico's going to pay for it. But I keep thinking about that over and over again, and I'm not, I don't want to get any hate email from that. I'm not putting them down. Just saying. So, but anyway, and a lot of us feel like this. I think I have a picture that I saw uh, of a voting. Yeah, a lot of us feel like that. I don't want to vote because I don't like any of these people. Yes. (laughs) And that is not my child, but it could be. (laughs) Yeah, we feel like that. So in the midst of all this madness, we have the Olympics. And it's great because it's like gives us a glimpse of hope to the future, right? Like, Everyone's rallying around their TVs and watching something positive, and we're watching people, uh, their passions be able to live out, and we're watching people, we see their families on the screen, even if they're making fun of the parents. I watched that video, too. The parents is watching the gymnast, and they're like, (gasps) and like hitting each other and stuff. That would totally be me. Um, But it's crazy, and it's it's awesome. Uh, 
the best part about it, I think, and this is what I love, and I think this is why we all watch, you know, we, we may not be a huge hockey fan, but we all watch the playoffs, right? And maybe we're not a football fan, but we love to watch the Super Bowl because we love watching that moment when you know that someone has worked their whole life to prepare for something and they win. And that passion is achieved and it's exciting. And if we can look past like the weird spots on Michael Phelps, and if we can look past all the weird Olympic memes and all that stuff, we can actually get involved in their story and their lives. It's amazing. My favorite, my favorite of all of that is watching people give glory back to God. In those moments, you watch the interviews and people sit there and say, thanks be to God or whatever, and I love that. And I think I have a video here that we can watch of two divers uh, that did just that. What does it mean to come out and medal here in the Synchro event? Yeah, I, I just think the past week, there's just been an enormous amount of pressure, and I've felt it. And, um, you know, it's just an identity crisis. When my mind is on this and thinking I'm defined by this, then my mind goes crazy. But we do have to know that our identity is in Christ. And we're just, we're thankful for this opportunity to be able to dive in front of Brazil, in front of the United States. And uh, it's been an absolutely thrilling moment for us. You now have gold, silver, and bronze Olympic medals. How much does this free you up for the individual event? It does. It takes a lot of pressure off of me. But um, this, this never could have happened without Steele, without him pushing me, without him loving me well, uh, encouraging me and my wife. Life has just been a solid rock, and uh, I, I couldn't have done it without them. Well, and Steel, for you, your first ever Olympics, first ever Olympic event, how were you able to maintain your composure so well? I think the way David just described it was flawless. The, the fact that I was going into this event knowing that my identity is rooted in Christ and not what the result of this competition is just gave me peace, it gave me ease, and it let me enjoy the contest. If something went great, I was happy. If something didn't go great, I could still find joy because I'm at the Olympics competing with the best person, the best mentor, the, just one of the best people to be around. Um, so God's given us a cool opportunity, and I'm glad I could have come away with an Olympic silver medal in my first ever event. Pretty awesome, right? Knowing that my identity is rooted in Christ and not what the result of the competition is. That's awesome. And their foundation is rooted in Christ, not in the medals. It didn't matter what medal they brought or even if they brought a medal home at all. At all. They already had their reward. And every one of us has something in our life that we want to see succeed. And we're all excited about the vision for the church and being a part of that, but each one of us has a vision for our life, even if it's just for our family or our career. We all have that in us. But whatever vision we're building in this build, right? We talk, we're in this series called The Build. Whatever vision we're building has to have a solid foundation. And the foundation of who we are in the build has to be rooted in the right things. And I think that's the whole point of why I wanted to show that video, because their foundation isn't rooted, because it doesn't matter how much education you have, it doesn't matter how much you've practiced, if your foundation isn't rooted in the right things, it, it's for nothing. And so all the practice they had, they didn't stand up there and say, well, we're just confident, we, we just knew how hard we practiced, and so that's why we were able to maintain our cool. No, it was because our identity is in Christ. And I think that's important for us to remember. If not, the problem is, is if our identity isn't rooted in Christ, and if not rooted in the right things, then when life hits, and it will, our build will waver. Our vision will waver. And we may have to compromise. If we look back in Matthew chapter 7, 24, in the parable of the wise and foolish builders, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fail, fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them in practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And I think we have to remember that. Standing on the board, this is really neat. And by the way, by the way, just to backtrack, you guys all get those bulletin inserts with the notes, right? I'm a huge fan of notes. If you have them, hold them up. Okay. And I want you, if you don't have a pen, find a pen. Make sure you're using that today. I know sometimes we forget that we actually have those, but I'm, I'm a huge fan of Bibles. How many of you like Bibles? I like Bibles, and I like reading them. So make sure you have your Bibles, and make sure you take a note. So anyway, but standing on the board... Standing on the board, this was cool, right before those two divers were about to dive, David and Steele recited Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. They stood on the board, they fist pumped, recited Philippians 4, 6, and then they took the dive. Our faith, God, is the solid ground. But the decisions we make and who we are can put cracks in the foundation. And our character throughout it all is like the cement in the build. Our vision must have a foundation rooted in Christ, cemented in char- with character. It must. Nehemiah's foundation didn't start when the build started. He already had established trust with King Artaxerxes working as his cupbearer. And a cupbearer protected the life of the king by pretty much being like a glorified guinea pig. Everything, all the food and drinks that would come to the king, he would taste to make sure that it wasn't poisoned beforehand. And because of this, the cupbearers were some of the king's most trusted servants. So his integrity, and he, he'd already earned the king's trust, right? I mean, obviously, if he's the king's cupbearer, you're not going to have someone you don't trust testing all your stuff, right? I mean, so obviously, the king already trusted Nehemiah. So his integrity had already earned the king's trust, and that played out in his character, and who he was started to influence Jerusalem. True character is doing what's right when no one's watching, when everyone is compromising, and when adversity is striking. And as we go through this chapter, chapter 5 in Nehemiah, we see those three things happening to him. But Nehemiah walked the talk since the day he arrived. Character is who you are when no one's walking. It's your actions played out, and Nehemiah walked the talk since the day he arrived and announced his intention to rebuild the wall. Without character, there can be no fulfillment of the vision. Character trumps vision, and when character is being compromised, the vision must stop. So even though Nehemiah had this massive vision and burning desire to finish the wall, his character caused him to stop the build when he saw the people suffering. In Nehemiah 4, they were crying out, we're mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Others were saying, we have to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our children, on our fields. We're of the same flesh and blood as our fellow Jews, and our children are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. And according to the law, there's a law in Deuteronomy 23:19. do not charge a fellow Israelite interest, whether on money or food or anything else that may earn interest. Nehemiah knew this law, and because he knew the law, he was ticked, because he knew this was all wrong. He knew it was wrong to, number one, demand interest on a loan to a Jew, and number two, enslave a fellow Jew. So he couldn't just sit back 
while people were breaking God's law, let alone be even a part of it. He said, when I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are charging your own people interest. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them. And I want to just back up a second, because this is one of my favorite parts. Let's back up in that verse. And he said, I pondered them in my mind. I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I love this. He got mad, but he thought before he spoke. Right? How many of us just jump right in and fly off the handle when we don't like something? But we see right here that he stopped. He pondered and then And he practiced self-control. Self-control is an inward discipline and an outward display of character. Nehemiah thought the situation through before he expressed his anger. And in that moment, in that moment, God was able to speak to him and tell him what to say. And I I truly believe that in that moment as well, when, when Nehemiah stopped and pondered, he asked in that moment, is my allegiance to God or is my allegiance to the vision? And we see his answer In in verse 9, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? Nehemiah knew these nobles and officials. They they totally had the ability to run them out of town, but what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong, right? And he couldn't ignore what was happening. So his character was rooted in a deep desire to please God more than pleasing man. Men and women who maintain character aren't playing to the crowd. Nehemiah was playing to an audience of one. One person that meant everything to him. He was willing to put the vision on hold to address an issue of right and wrong. And we must be willing to abandon the vision in order to maintain our character. We have to. If there's a fork in the road and you're not sure what to do, just ask yourself. Ask yourself, would God want me to carry out this vision? Would God want me to achieve this goal if I have to do the the wrong thing to get there? And a lot of times, if our vision is truly a God thing, God will intervene for you. So there is nothing Nehemiah's skeptics could do that would change his view of God and what he was called to do for him. Nothing, nothing at all should affect who Jesus is in our lives. It's all about him. He's the mission. So we can't let all the good stuff distract us from the great stuff, which is God. One of the tragedies of life, I believe, is that we forget who we are. We forget who we are called to be. We forget our identity. And in the midst of it all, Nehemiah never forgot who he was. And we all have to fight continually for the right perspective of who we are and who God is. At some point, your character will be tested with the temptation of compromise. At some point. So we have to surround ourselves with friends that won't say, press, press on at any cost, right? You think that's what they should say, but what they should be saying is follow Jesus at any cost. Not press on at every cost, but follow Jesus at every cost. Life will hit and the enemy will attack and things will hurt. All those things will happen just as much as we know that God will win. No matter what. I think that what happens is we, in the midst of it, of everything, we lose track and we start in our own energy trying to make things better. And we saw Nehemiah stop time after time to re-get new perspective on who God was. 
And I think our biggest distraction is what we believe we should be receiving or what we think should be happening but isn't, right? A lot of times we go through our visions and we're expecting things to happen or we want things to happen a certain way and when we don't, when they don't happen that way, we try to take control and do it ourselves. And that is a huge distraction. But that's not what it's supposed to be. Nehemiah, in the process, he knew how to handle the honor. And few people can live in luxury and maintain their character and walk with God. Sometimes... It's easier to stay tough and stay steady in demotion rather than a promotion. And when Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem, he followed a long line of governors that stole and used their position to make their own lives better. Moreover, from the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, until his 32nd year, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. But the early governors, earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistants also lorded it over to the people. And then Nehemiah said, I love this, but out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work, so we did not acquire any land." Even though his position entitled him, Nehemiah never took advantage of the privileges. The former governors had huge salaries and a lot of land, and Nehemiah just applied himself to the work on the wall. Nehemiah remembered that the real honor was God's goodness and grace. But out of reverence for God, I did not do that. I mean, in just that statement alone, we see Nehemiah's beautiful heart revealed just in that. And I think, if if nothing else, we should be highlighting and underlining that statement, but out of reverence for God, I did not do that like crazy. Because our relationships with the Lord should be so unshakable that when temptations come, we say, how could I do that? My relationship to God could be affected. I don't care what my salary is or what the privileges are. I'm not going to do that. I can't do it. And that really will take surrendering our expectations. Nehemiah knew that God didn't send him to Jerusalem to be a wealthy landowner. It wasn't about the gold medal for Nehemiah. His identity wasn't in the wall. His identity was in Christ. He kept his eyes on the real prize, and he refused the reward man could give him in order to receive his reward in heaven. I think that's such huge perspective to be able to keep your eyes on the right stuff and not on the other stuff, on the junk. And I think that God, well, I know, God grants us one little time on earth, right? Like in the midst of all of eternity, right? Think eternity, long, big, long time, right? Our life is that big. It's like a tiny little dot. And that one little dot, though, that one little dot on earth represents our entire eternity. And Nehemiah had trust in that. He wasn't about to let a small dot of time, this little dot, what he did on this little dot, he wasn't going to mess it up and ruin his seat next to God for eternity. He wasn't going to do it. So you may be a business owner or a father or a mother or a teacher, Right? But ultimately, the most important things that we are, all of us in here, is Christ followers. And our lives speak louder than our words. The decisions that you make today 
here at your jobs or wherever, are going to shape the character that'll give you the authority to influence people for the rest of your life. Especially as a mom and dad. Like, I'm a mom, right? I have four kids that are nuts, but they're great. But one of the biggest things for me was when I started having children, you know, I didn't grow up in church making great decisions at all. And one of the biggest turnarounds for me in my life was when I started to have kids. Because I wanted so badly to be better for them. I wanted to make the right decisions and be the right person for them. I didn't want to be the type of person that said I was going to do one thing and then did another. I didn't want to be that. And we work, we, Adam and I are directors of Erie Young Adults, so we work with young adults who grew up uh, just, they're so confused. Because what they were taught their whole life, they would watch that same person do the opposite. And so I try every day, and, and I, I fail all the time too. I'm like one massive ball of hypocrisy leaving my house, <laughs> especially on Sunday mornings. Like Sunday mornings, I usually have a kid on my leg. My teenager never wants to come, right, Joey? Like he's, he's a teenager. So he's like, I want to sleep and play Xbox for the rest of my life, you know? <laughs> and I'm usually like frantically trying to get through the house to like do things. Sometimes I walk outside without a shoe on. A lot of times I make my husband say, go back because I forget my phone or I forget something. I'm a wreck. But then I come in here on Sunday morning and I sit down and I smile and I talk to people and I worship, right? Because <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> but here's the thing, like my foundation is rooted in God. So I may mess up, right? I may mess up. But my foundation is right. And we talk about that to our kids, but we strive, we strive to make sure that our character is right for them. And it's not just, if you don't have children, it's about the people around you as well, who you're working with, who your friends are. And it's important for us to make sure that as we're walking through life, that our foundation is solid. Nehemiah didn't want to start a build with a weak foundation. He knew if he allowed them to continue their sin, that it would cause cracks in the foundation. So he didn't just rebuke them. He actually made them deal with his sin. He said in verse 11, give them back immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also the interest you are charging them. Because what happens is when we have prolonged sins in our life or things that we're doing wrong, it'll take a toll on the foundation and God's work in your life. And it's, it's, sometimes it's like quiet. It's this quiet, long process. It's erosion, Right? And after a while, we start noticing that the windows in our build, in our house, the windows may not start closing, right, right? And the doors of discipline, maybe we're leaving the doors open. The floor of integrity in our house is starting to crack a little bit. And no matter how much paint or putty you put on that to make it look good in the process, eventually it's going to fall. And Nehemiah is rebuilding this wall. He didn't want to build this wall starting with all this, these cracks in the ground. He wanted to make sure he was dealing with everything. Our vision has to be so rooted in the right things, a solid foundation, because the demands will happen. Life will hit. Things will come up. In San Francisco, there's the Golden Gate Bridge, right? You guys know that. It's a huge, massive bridge. It's 4,200 feet long. It's almost a mile. And there's six fault lines that run through that region, the San Francisco region. 
And the most recognizable one is the San Andreas Fault. And this fault runs under the Santa Cruz Mountains, up through the peninsula, and directly beneath the Golden Gate Bridge. And we know that there's hundreds of earthquakes in California, right? There's been a lot. And geologists actually say that there's a 62% chance that a 6.7 or larger earthquake will hit. And do you know where the safest place is to be during that earthquake? On that bridge. On the Golden Gate Bridge. Because if you're, the foundation of that bridge is dug so deep and it was thought out so thoughtfully that that's how firm it is. If you're driving in San Fran and that 6.2 earthquake hits, you better pray that you're on that bridge. And that's crazy because the, the proximity of the bridge to the San Andreas Fault really places it at risk for the most significant earthquake. But it'll be the safest place to stand. And our foundation has to be solid before that earthquake hits. It has to be. You know, a lot of you know that our story and, and what we've been dealing with the past couple of months with Adam finding out he has uh, had stage four kidney cancer. And a lot of you, thank you. Yes, praise God. And uh, we're still, yeah. It's still, uh, we're pumped about it. But it was a long six months. It was a huge part of our life, and we're still dealing with it. He's still got a little M&M size there that God's dealing with. But I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that our foundation was rooted before that earthquake hit. I remember sitting in the hospital, and it was a week. It was, uh, he was in there for over a week, and he had just had the surgery done. And I remember sitting in his bed, and, and we, you know, we knew that the cancer was there. We knew the, the life chances. We knew all that stuff. And at this point after surgery, he was having so many complications that he wasn't waking up. And he slept for about a day and a half. And I remember sitting in that hospital room, and the lights were dark. And I'm watching him, and I wanted to talk to him so bad. He's my best friend. We've been together since I was 15. So when something bad happens in my life, I would go to him. But I couldn't go to him. And I remember sitting there in that room on the chair, and I'm right next to his bed, and I'm thinking, what if this is what it's like forever? What if, what if he doesn't wake up? Is this what it's going to be like if cancer takes him? Am I going to lose my best friend? And he was so thin, and he looked so pale. He looked terrible, and I was thinking all the thoughts of what is he going to look like over the next couple of months, and what is this disease going to do to him? And I'm thinking all this stuff. And in that moment, I thought, what am I doing? I am not going to allow fear to take over. And right in that moment, I remember texting one of my closest friends and her reminding me in that moment of who God is. And in that moment, I leaned on my foundation in Christ more than what was laying in front of me. I can't imagine going through that without a strong foundation. 
And that foundation is rooted in our character, yes, it's rooted in Christ, yes, but it's rooted in the community around us. The build of our church, this new vision that we're launching and we're all rallying around. And Pastor talked about getting back together on September 11th to to meet and, and you guys will hear all the details about that and it's gonna be a great day. But guys, the foundation of that build is us. It's our community. Remember what I said, that you don't want someone reminding you, continue at all costs. It's follow Jesus at all costs. That's where our foundation is. It's so important that we're constantly evaluating our life to make sure that there's no cracks in that foundation. Because when your building crumbles, who's standing under it? Who's standing under it? I didn't want mine to crumble. You know why? You know what I say all the time? I had to be strong because I had four kids standing underneath the house that me and my husband had built. You better believe I didn't want to crumble for them. And if God, if he was to go, after all the work he's done to build up our life and our house, I wasn't going to collapse and slap him in the face for all he's done. And I know that's harsh, but, and, and this is just, this is how I preach, so I apologize. I, I just feel like when I get to heaven, God's not going to say, great job on making all the people feel gushy and happy all the time, because I don't feel like that. I'm challenged as a Christ follower more than anything else. So what are the things that we're holding on to? And if, Luke, if you want to make your way up here, what are the things that we're holding on to? What are the things that could be causing those cracks in our foundation? Maybe it's, usually, I always say that usually the one thing that we're holding on to is the one thing that's holding us back. What is that thing that you're holding on to that could be holding you back? And I believe to God, like God, our biggest commitment to God and our biggest way that we can show how much we love him is sacrifice. So what is that thing that we need to sacrifice? There was all kinds of stuff. There is all kinds of stuff that I have to let go of all the time to make sure that I'm rooted correctly. So what are those things? And I think as as we process through those things, like if you sit here right now and you ask yourself, what could be the thing in my life that could potentially cause those windows of the the walls of uh, finance to collapse and the the floor of integrity, what are those things that could cause those cracks? And two things that should be happening right now. Two things should be happening. If you say it out loud, people catch a glimpse of what's in your heart. Because maybe there are, and and I'm sure everyone in here has things that are holding it together. But the second thing that this moment will do is you'll catch a glimpse of what's in your heart as well. And that's what happens when we when we look inside ourselves and ask God, what is it? What is it that could be causing this foundation to be cracked? I think that Nehemiah, this is why I love Nehemiah so much. I don't think that Nehemiah should remember it as the guy that rebuilt the wall. I think Nehemiah should be remembered as the guy that sacrificed everything and committed his whole life 
to honor God. At the end, I don't want to be remembered for the things that I did. I want to be remembered for how much I love Jesus. And even if I didn't love perfectly, that I stayed rooted and I gave honor to him in the process. Some of you have been around in this congregation for a long time, and you've stayed rooted in the process. And I think that shows so much in where our foundation is. And we still have work to do, but it's exciting because we get to do it together. So the last verse, verse 19, Nehemiah says, Remember me with favor, my God, for all I've done for these people. Remember me with favor. I sat and I was thinking about what it must have been like for him to say those words. Like, was he crying? Was he, like, pumped about it? (laughs) Yes, remember, look what I did. (laughs) Because he could have. He earned it. But I think about that. So at the, at the bottom of that note sheet that you guys have, if you look at the bottom, that last uh, statement, remember me with favor, my God, for, it's blank. And it's supposed to be blank. You can't look at the bottom for the answers for this one. <laughs> Don't try. What do you want God to remember you for? Nehemiah sacrificed everything for the people. What are you sacrificing for? And I want you to write in that blank what it is you need to sacrifice. Or what is is that, that vision that God's given you in your heart that you want to accomplish? Write that down in that spot. Maybe there's a something that's causing cracks in your life or causing cracks in that foundation. We all have them. If you can't think of them, I bet if you turned and asked your spouse, they'd be able to give you a whole bunch of cracks. Don't do it if you're going to get in trouble. But if you can get away with it, do it. Are you guys all writing it down? I'm serious. I'm not just saying it. Write down what that thing is. So in the process of it all, it's important that we keep our character intact. Life is going to hit. But we're a community, right? And we're going through this build together. And our foundation is going to be tough. And whatever is happening in your life, we will come together to make that foundation strong. So let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are in the midst of everything. We are so thankful that you've gone before us and you already know what's going to happen in our lives, yet you've opened and closed the right doors to get us to the right places or even keep us from the wrong things. God, I ask that as we're walking our visions out, even just for the church, but even for us personally, whatever our personal passions are, things that we want to see accomplished, God, that as we're walking that out, you are with us, you are guiding us, you are putting the right people around us. God, I'm asking that whatever was written on those pages today or whatever uh, came into hearts today as we asked what needed to be revealed, that you honor that, 
And then if it's something that could, that, that could cause a crack, God, that you give us courage to walk through, you remind us that we are loved even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of what our failures may be. God, we thank you. Thank you so much for the honor to serve you. Thank you for the talents and abilities that you've given to everyone in this room to accomplish the vision and the call that you've given them. And God, as we go through the rest of our week, I ask that you continue to challenge us. We know that you only reveal things in our heart to heal them. So God, we ask that you just continue to reveal You continue to show us what we need to learn to walk out this thing and improve and get better. And God, we praise you for who you are. And we thank you. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great week. We'll see you next week.